You have your new policy or policies. Now what? Practical planning and implementation advice. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here, we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries. And we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will share our experience implementing new policies as they pertain to information governance programs. Moro, in our last episode, we had a lengthy discussion about the evolution of policies. But today, we need to get to the practical planning and implementation. So how do you want to approach this? Hi, Lee, and thanks for that reminder. I've been thinking about policy since last week. And the idea of, and I think we talked about this in the last episode, how policies have changed a lot as we've moved from the world of paper to electronic information. The other big driver of policy change is, there are two. One is technology, which we talked a little bit about in the last episode, and it kind of goes along with that paper to electronic step. But the other one, which I don't think we talked a lot about, is regulatory. And the shift in a regulatory stance from keep things to make sure this data is accessible, available, and that you are using it to make better decisions. And that shift from keep it to actively use your data has really driven a big change in the in the policy world as well. So, and where you see that change is in the implementation of the policies. It is very easy, relatively easy, to write a retention schedule that says, keep your contract records for as long as the contract statute of limitations. Also easy to say, keep your asset records for as long as you have the asset, for the life of the asset. But practically speaking, keep it versus make that data readily available and used and able to be used by your team on a daily basis, it's a very different thing. Looking back on our paper to electronic shift discussion, keep paper records, they're in boxes, they're labeled, you can call them back from storage, but it takes some time. Keep electronic records, and if you do the equivalent of put it in a box, an electronic box, so it's in a folder, it's on a file share, it's got a file header, it is harder to retrieve and it is much harder to use. And data that's trapped in a document can't be easily searched, easily reported on, used for data analytics. So if you have a, for instance, we had a client who had a large quantity of asset management agreements, operations management agreements. Basically they were working with a lot of external partners and running a large asset base. And every one of those agreements had different terms and conditions. It had different requirements for notifications and for reporting and for payments and penalties. And they were all there. They all knew where the documents were. And yet finding those 
little bits of information required someone to go read the document every time. Or after the third or fourth time someone went to read the same document, they would start making their own list. They'd made spreadsheets. And we've seen this over and over again in similar organizations, uh, whether it is a financial institution that has customer obligations or reporting obligations to a regulatory organization, or it's an, an asset-based organization like a utility or a transportation center, and they have obligations to their customers as well as to regulators and to the surrounding area. In all those cases, we saw spreadsheets where individual people were trying to extract nuggets of information that they had gleaned by reading documents. The world expects that data to be available to you. You've signed up for it. You, you made this commitment. You have to be able to follow through on it. So the policy implementation step really needs to look at what do we need out of this, this set of data that this policy governs. It's not enough to just say, we have a retention schedule. It tells us to keep the data. We've kept the data. We've got the documents. They're secure over here in a file share or a SharePoint site or an ECM of some kind. And we are backed up and we know we can find the folders and we can find the documents. That's not enough anymore. We need to be able to use the data. In the policy, you need to push them towards the central repository. Is that what you're trying to get at? Almost. So the policy is still the what. Remember in our shorthand, we say the policy is the what, and then the procedures and the processes are the how. So this episode today, we're talking about how to implement these policies. So we're still gonna write a policy that says, maintain this information, but we're going to not just say, retain it, but actually maintain it so it is accessible. That's part of the policy statement. So then you have a companion process that says, this is how we're going to maintain this data. And it does push you to standard systems, standard and potentially centralized repositories, but the centralization is secondary to the standardization. So Let's talk about those contracts, those contract documents that had all those agreements, all those terms and conditions that we've seen similar data sets at different companies. The policy, the original policy might just say, keep them because it's a line item in your record schedule. It says contracts and agreements are kept for 10 years after the final fulfillment of the final obligation under the contract. So in a paper-based paradigm, and converting that to electronic documents, we would say, let's have a file plan. We identify the function and the process is legal contract management. And the record category is contracts and agreements. And the trigger is gonna be the end of the contract. So, okay, that drives us to, let's organize things into folders by contract so that we know when a contract ends. That's a, an older way of looking at things. But now our policy says, don't just keep these records, make them available, maintain them so that the data can be used. So that takes us to this implementation step of, all right, 
when you receive a new contract, when we sign a new contract, we are going to put it into a contract management solution and we are going to pull out all of those key terms and conditions. Maybe that drives, maybe trying to fulfill that leads to, okay, we actually need a solution where we're going to create the contract in it so that we start with pieces of data that can be aggregated into a document instead of starting with a document and having to extract the pieces of data. It could go either way, but that's the implementation step. And without thinking that through, when you write the policy, you can end up with a policy that doesn't actually meet today's expectations. Am I getting yes. any clearer? <laughs> yes. So I kind of figured that's what you were getting to. My question or my my inquiry around this is, is people try to put so much in a policy. They try to think about every single avenue that needs to be considered or or, or the receiving parties, your, your departments throughout your organization, how they're going to take what it is you're trying to say. They end up putting procedures and guidelines and going too far in the policy because they think they need to, to guide the departments that, that are receiving this policy. And so I was trying to clean that up in the beginning by asking the question, right? Because we've seen it. We've seen people take a policy that we've written that says you're responsible and you need to have them readily accessible. That's all the policy says, but they take it so far by adding, this is how you have to, this is where you have to have it assess, accessible. This is how you have to have it accessible. This is when you have to have it accessible in the policy that just makes it overwhelming. And it causes a policy to go from a two-pager to a 96-pager, so to speak. You're right. We have seen that. And I think that's a really good point because where we've seen that is where it's typically legal who is writing a policy and they are trying to account for every possible variation. And I think they're doing that. And we haven't talked about this before, but I think they're doing that because they feel like their only lever is writing a good policy. And they're kind of disconnected from that implementation step where technology takes over or the business unit takes over and there's not enough kind of a shared vision between legal technology and the business of what's the purpose, what's the intent of this policy, and how do we carry that out with the technology and with the business processes? To me, where we've seen that happen is where legal is kind of a step back. And I think that's a lesson actually to be learned. And we even though I hadn't articulated that before, I think we intuitively, when we're working with our clients, we try and bring together legal and technology and the business because we know that a policy on its own is, first of all, not the whole answer. And second, actually may cause problems because then people are trying to figure out how can we make this policy work? And they're going into the, the workarounds because it's too hard to manage their business that way. or the technology can't keep up with some of the record keeping requirements. And so it really needs to be a collaborative discussion between IT, legal, and the business to come up with a policy that 
absolutely reflects that what I'm not suggesting compromise on the what, but to get away from that, I'm trying to look at every single scenario in the light of policy and trust that, no, this is a whole program and the policy, the process and the technology are interdependent. And where we've been able to do that, I think the companies have been successful. I totally agree. And the companies that have given us more information up front in the assessment stage, like all of their policies and their procedures and their guidelines, we've been able to piece together all of these items and say, here's what needs to be in the policy, leave these things to the guidelines, leave these things to the procedures, because that's more detailed, that's much more information that a department needs to, to follow the policy. I agree. And I think I got it. Um, so let me try and let me try and sum up because I know we're we're going long again. There's so much in the policy world. So when we go into a company and we are able to do a full assessment and pull together all the different groups, we then can form that whole picture and we can help guide our clients through it. So if we're working with the legal team as our primary client, we can help them see how it's how their policy is going to play out. We can pull IT in and say, these are the, you know, these are the things that we're trying to prevent, and these are the things we're trying to enforce. What can the technology do for us? We pull the business in and talk about these are the goals of the policy, and will they hinder your business process? You know, can we make this happen and still get work done? And I think our being able to look at that big picture gives us better tool set to guide our clients. If you're listening to us and you're in-house, you need that same picture. You need to go out and find all those business unit level standard operating procedures that have some kind of retention embedded in them. We've seen that over and over again. It'll be a step-by-step -step how to do this process out in the field or something. And at the very bottom, it'll say sometimes in a footnote and keep this forever or put this over here or send it to you know, the next group or send it to your supervisor. And it's all embedded in there. And what you find, what we found is that sometimes those business unit level processes, standard operating procedures contradict what the policy says, because there's not enough communication between the two in that planning step. So I think that's our lesson for today out of, uh, out of the policy implementation world is communication and the policy isn't the only tool. And if you try to make it the only tool, like you're saying, Lee, where uh, groups are trying to sit, foresee every possible scenario, it's not gonna it's not gonna work. And it's gonna be hard to maintain that policy. I agree. So the key here is to get the whole picture before you just put a policy out that departments find hard to follow. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be sure to share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thanks, okay. everyone. And don't worry, we're going to have more policy discussions coming up.